Right, good morning. You might have seen me up on uh, my picture up there a bit earlier. Here's the real, here's the real thing. Here's the real dad. Um, well, happy Father's Day to you if you're a dad. Um, I hope there weren't too many uh, sons uh, doing a quick text, uh, realizing that it's Father's Day uh, as you walked in here. Quick text to dad or quick search on, the, uh, on your phone for same-day delivery chocolates. Um, but uh, it's a good day today. It's a good day to be able to thank God and pray for Amelie, as we'll be doing a little bit later. It's a good day for their family. Um, it's a good day, I imagine, for uh, Major Tim Peake and his family today, having returned from space just in time for Father's Day. Tim Peake is a son as well as a father. I'm sure they're having a good time today. I remember uh, finding myself that when I became a father, and uh, first Father's Day with a little baby... I suddenly thought it was all about me and forgot about my dad. It's terrible. So I've always made a point, you know, it's a two-way thing uh, for the time being. But uh, I don't know what Father's Day means. (laughs) I don't know what Father's Day means to you. Maybe maybe it's something that um, doesn't really mean that much to you. Maybe it's a sort of American import and a bit commercial. And uh, you you like to think of it as being kind of Father's Day every day. Um, maybe some of you, it's, it's a good time. You think it's a good time to thank and honor your dads, or maybe you just remember uh, your dad who's not with you any longer, but you, you have uh, good memories of them. Maybe for some of us, it's a difficult day thinking about um, Father's Day, dads, maybe missing a father, maybe a difficult relationship with a father might even still be ongoing. Maybe thinking about pain that we've been caused in connection with our Father. Maybe it's a struggle to be here. I do want to say that um, as much as we want to celebrate fathers and give thanks for them this morning, we do also want to say God is here this morning to bring you comfort and help as you look to him, um, even for difficult things that surround this day. And we're going to think uh, for a little bit about a story that Jesus told about a father and two sons with a difficult relationship. There's difficult relationships in this story, we're going to hear about how the sons treated their father and how he treated them. But it's a story that Jesus told to teach us about God, our Heavenly Father. Despite how we treat him, he's the greatest dad. He's a fantastic father. And uh, if you're not a Christian, that's what he's offering you. If you are a Christian, it's something he wants to remind you of, help you to just remember and get a grip on this morning. So we're going to look at um, this story. It's from Luke chapter 15. It beca- the words will be coming up on the screen. We're going to look at it in three parts, and I'll say a few things um, along the way as we go through. So uh, just the first part, Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, 
How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. And the first thing that we, we see there, there's two sons mentioned. This is the first one. And he was a terrible son. He was a terrible son. He starts off, it, it's covered quite quickly in the story, but he says to start with to his dad, give me my share of the estate. Give me my inheritance. I mean, it's strange, isn't it? Because you don't normally get your inheritance until someone's died. And it is actually just as it sounds. It's, it's like him saying, Dad, I, I want your money. I don't want you. I want, I want you dead, really. I, I just want your stuff. Let, let's get it over with. Let's have the money now. And he shows that. He shows about his lack of really any care or relationship with his dad. And as soon as he gets the money, he goes off to a distant country. Obviously, the story wasn't told in a time when you can keep in touch in various ways. And obviously, no plans to, to pop home. No, that's probably it. He's off. He's got the money. That's all he cares about. I want nothing more to do with you, Dad. Often, and often people, maybe if someone gives them some inheritance money, I don't know if you've ever had this, someone gives uh, you some inheritance money, you think, I want, to, I want to buy something special with it. I don't want to just waste it. I want to buy something special for which I can sort of honor and remember the person who gave it to me. Well, not, not with this guy. He, he goes and wastes the money, squanders the money, squanders his dad's money. No respect for his father. And probably dishonors his dad, if anyone there knew, knew his family, dishonors his dad by his lifestyle and his behavior in this faraway country. Well, finally, he's brought low. The money runs out. Presumably, the friends run out. There's a famine. He's desperate. He, he's, he, but he still doesn't think about going back to his dad. He thinks, I'll take a job looking after pigs. And when Jesus told this story, it was a, it was a Jew speaking to Jews. Pigs were the unclean animal. He didn't want anything to do with it. A Jew wouldn't have taken a job working with pigs. And so this guy has sunk really low. But he still seems to be prepared to do this before thinking about going back to his dad. He's wrecked his relationship with his dad. Maybe as we're going through this story, maybe it makes you think of problems you have ongoing or, or you have experienced in, the, in your family Maybe these things come to mind on Father's Day. Maybe we think of things that we haven't done so well as sons and daughters. Maybe large or small ways. We've, maybe we've not, we wouldn't say, I've been a terrible son or a terrible daughter, but we're aware of things that we've not been so good on. Um, after I was at university, I, I went back to live with my... After a few years away from home, I went back to live with my parents and um, had a girlfriend at the time, and I was, I was out a lot, and... Just, um, I didn't really see the problem. I just, because I carried on living like a student, but in my mum and dad's house and sort of did my own thing. I was suddenly, um, it was suddenly brought to my attention that there was a bit of a problem when uh, I walked into my bedroom one day. There was a bowl of dirty washing up in there with a note on it from my dad saying, do this or get out. (laughs) 
And he, was, he wasn't joking. The, the, de- the, the terrible thing was that then I started thinking about how I could get out and how I could maybe move out and um, you know, where I could go and live. And it's like a, it's like a week before Father's Day. Um, but that's, that is the low point in my relationship with my dad. It's been, been better since then. But uh, it just suddenly realized things are not as good as I thought they were with my dad. And I realized I've just not been pulling my weight. I've not been treating my mum and dad well. But God's grace is here this morning. God's grace is here to forgive us if we look to him, forgive us through Jesus for any wrong that we've done in connection with being a father or a parent or being a son or daughter. We can look to God. But the terrible son in this story is actually first and foremost a picture not about our relationship with a human father. It's about our relationship with God, our father in heaven. God who made us to know him, God who made us to center our lives on the most fulfilling thing that we can do, to live life with God at the center. But in large or small ways, we've all been like that son, maybe wanting the good things that God gives, but not wanting him distancing ourselves from him, no communication. God, I'll I'll get in touch with you when I need you. Dishonoring him with the way that we've lived. Maybe thinking, I'll decide on what's right. Living with no reference to God. And it leaves us in this state of being cut off with a wrecked relationship with God, even if we can't see what's going on at first. But thankfully in this story, it's a story about coming back It's a story about someone coming to their senses, realizing he needs to go back to the Father. Maybe that's something that strikes you this morning. Maybe maybe it's just this morning. Maybe you've been thinking about it recently. Do you need to come back to God? Do you need to come back to your Father in heaven? He's certainly, he's wanting you to. Do you need to reconnect with God and the life that he offers? It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far away you've gone. There's a way back just as it was for this son in the story. But what can we expect when we turn back to God? Well, the son in his story, he certainly wasn't expecting a lot. He he says he's going to tell his dad that he's he's done wrong, but he has this plan that he's going to say to him, I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. Can I be one of your hired servants? He's not even talking about can I be like a regular employee he says, can, can I be like a, it's like a seasonal worker? Who knows? Maybe, maybe his daddy's going to go for it, but maybe he won't. Maybe he'll go all that way back and he'll be turned away at the door. Maybe worse. But the son gets a massive surprise and a greeting when he finds that actually he has a fantastic father. A father, father's response is beyond his wildest dreams and way beyond what he deserves. So just reading the next part of the story from verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead 
and is alive. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The father's response to the son is just surprising at kind of every level. The son goes off to a faraway country. He's got no thought for his father. But it seems like the father's not stopped thinking about him. He spots him while he's a long way off. Presumably he's been out looking for him. He's been watching for him, wishing he would return. And when he sees him, he's not filled with anger about what the son has done. He's filled with compassion. And the father doesn't think, I'm going to make him do the walk of shame. I'm going to, I'm going to stand there by the front door with my arms folded. I'm going to watch the look on his face. And I'm going to, going to, going to have a, a, a frown on my face. I'm going to watch him get down on his knees and beg. You know, he runs to his son. Apparently, it's a very sort of undignified thing in those days for a sort of wealthy landowner, man of, sort of in the community to be running around. That's the thing that children did and servants did. But he runs to his son. He throws his arms around him and kisses him before he's even said anything. The fact that he's coming back says it all. It's enough. The son gets out his apology speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father doesn't sit him down and say, you're bang on there, lad. You're not worthy to be called my son. And I don't want this kind of blanket apology. Let's go through in detail what you've done. It's like me with my kids. They come and they say, yeah, sorry. I say, yeah, sorry for what? <laughs> what, what exactly are you sorry for? I want to hear you say it. Um, Maybe this challenges me. Um, <laughs> no, he doesn't do all this. He doesn't try to rub his, rub his son's nose in what he's done. No, he, he doesn't even actually respond with any words because he's too busy getting on with some generous, urgent actions that actually show he doesn't agree with his son at all that he's not worthy to be his son. He, he's calling the servants quick. Get the best clothes we've got. Get the best robe in the house. Let's maybe get those stinky pig clothes off him. Let's get a ring on his finger. Maybe that was to make him look good, sign of wealth. But maybe it was like the family signet ring, showing he's back in the family. Get some sandals on those bare feet. And the scene of joy continues as he says, let's have a party. Let's have a feast. Let's do it in the kind of... The, the way they would have done it in that culture. Get the fattened calf out. They don't just get the fattened calf out for a normal Sunday lunch. They're, they're getting it out just for a very, very, saving it for a very special occasion. Let's crack, the, crack open the, the fattened calf. Let's have a super special celebration. Why? This son of mine, he was dead. It's like he was dead. But now he's alive. He was lost. But now... He's found. And this, this dad couldn't be more delighted to have his son back. Um, a year or two ago, I was walking my boys home from school. The youngest one, he was six or seven. He was lagging behind a bit, eating a lolly. And uh, we just went the normal way home from school. We, we turned a corner, went a bit further. He didn't appear, so I went back. And he wasn't there. So I started calling for him and... Uh, Looking around and asked a few people, have you seen this boy? And they said, oh yeah, there's a boy just around there. And it turned out to be a different boy altogether. And 
asked some more people, and, and then and I spoke to someone. They said, "Oh, yeah, he's um, he, he's, he's just on that heading onto. I saw him just heading onto the high street. This is about sort of, a few minutes walk away." So I, so I kicked off my, my sandals, it was summertime, and uh, ran barefoot, shouting his name down the street. People must have thought it was nuts, but I just didn't care. I thought, I've got to find him. And uh, I got to the high street, couldn't see him, just kept just sort of going and going and asking people along the way. And eventually I found him, met, it was probably about 10 minutes altogether, but um, it was quite a long way away from where we were. And he was there with this uh, old lady who had... Um, was, was with him and he was sort of looking like he was about to burst into tears. I picked him up and carried him back to where I'd left the other son, uh, <laughs> who's a bit older, uh, hoping he'd still be there. But um, it, was, <laughs> it, was a difficult, it was a difficult time, and it, but it was such a relief. It was such joy when I found Ben that day. But that's, that's, just, that's just a fraction. That's just a fraction of what the father in this story expresses and experiences. And it's just a fraction of what this, Jesus is saying. God um, experiences how he feels when anyone comes back to him. If you're a Christian this morning, this is a picture of what God has done for you. If you're, if you're not a Christian, this is a picture of what God wants to do for you. The kind of welcome, the generous, undeserved, amazing welcome he has lined up for you. We might have had no thought for God, but God hasn't stopped thinking of us, longing for us to come home. Jesus came into this world on a rescue mission. Jesus said about himself that he came to seek and save the lost. And when we come back to God, he's filled with joy and compassion, not anger. He doesn't rub our noses in it. He doesn't treat us as we deserve he doesn't say, well, you can be a kind of servant or you can, you can work your way up to, uh, to being a proper son or daughter of mine. No, we're straight in. We're straight in. He gives us his very best. How is God able to treat us in this way? Is it, is it like what we've done doesn't matter? The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And Jesus, the Son of God, he came into our world as a human being. He lived a life of perfect obedience to God the Father. He was like the perfect Son. But as part of his rescue package for us, he died as if he'd been a terrible son. He died taking our sins, the wrong we'd done, taking the punishment for it when he died on the cross to take the punishment for all those times when we've turned our back on God or ignored him or deliberately dishonored him or ignored him. It was to reconcile us, it was to bring us back into a good relationship with God. So we can be treated as if we've never been away with all the honor and generosity that God has for his perfect son, Jesus. Is this like your view of God? The story that Jesus told, is this like your view of God? Do you need to rethink your picture of God's. Rethink how generously he responds to us when we admit we've done wrong and come back to him. Maybe it's coming back to him for the first time, becoming a Christian. Maybe it's as a Christian, coming back to him after a, 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 a period of just being away from God in a sense. We do want to thank God today for our human fathers, for all the many good things about them. 
But even the best are not perfect. And maybe the weaknesses, the failings of your human father has skewed your view of God. I love my dad, uh, but when I was a boy, he was a very busy man. He was a school teacher, um, he was a church leader, he was a preacher, he had a study at home, and uh, there was a lock on the door. And often at the weekends, I'd want to go and see him, and I'd be knocking on the, go and try the door, and the, the door's locked. And um, maybe he just sort of ignores the, the, the pleas and, and shouts from outside because he's got to get on. And I understand that. But it's not nice when you think, I want to see him. I want to spend time with him. But he's got other things he needs to do. Maybe that's your view of God. Too busy for you. More important things to do. Maybe you need to persuade him to engage with you. Maybe you're never sure that your dad really accepted it when you said sorry. Maybe he kept bringing things up again. You thought, has he really forgiven me? How, how much longer are we going to hear about this thing that I did? Perhaps in the back of your mind you think, maybe God's like that. Maybe your, your father gave you what you needed. Gave you what you needed, but he, you could never have described him as generous. Maybe you think God's like that too. Well, whatever your experience of your human father, you need to know Jesus told this story so we can know that we have got a fantastic father God, that the, the God who sets the standard for fatherhood. Jesus has done everything to open the way back to him. He doesn't need to be persuaded to engage with us. He's not too busy with other people. He's actually out there looking for us, thinking about us when we're too busy for him or too rebellious to come to him. He loves to forgive us. He doesn't make us pay for our sins. No, Jesus has already covered them. He loves us. He loves to be generous to us. This has challenged me this week as I've been thinking about these things and realizing I need to be reminded again just what God is really like. Do you grasp that great love of the Father for you? Do you know his arms are open wide to welcome you? Maybe you've never come back to him Maybe you've never admitted you're wrong. Maybe you've never asked through Jesus that you would be able to have God at the center of your life and you'd be able to be forgiven and you'd be able to have him as your father. You can begin that God-centered life today. Even as I'm speaking, it's something that you can, you can say your own words to God to that effect. God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I want to be back in your family with you as my father and know your love and your direction in my life. Maybe you are a Christian here this morning. But maybe in some sense you need to return to the Father. Maybe there's been some area of your life where you think, I've I've just been doing things my way. I've not been that interested in what God says about it, what God thinks. Some area of my life, I've been keeping it separate. But actually God wants to not get his hands on every part of our life because he's he's like that and it's, it's a bit annoying. But actually he wants to do us good. He wants to bless us. God being involved in every part of our life is for our good. Come back to God. Come back to him, knowing that he is just like this fantastic father in the story, full of forgiveness, compassion, and generosity. But the story didn't stop there. There were two sons mentioned at the beginning of the story. And finally, we meet the second one. So just reading from verse 25. Meanwhile, 
The older son was in the fields. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill a fat calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. What is that last part of the story about? It's about those who want to restrict God's welcome. When in fact he is the father for all. He's a father for everyone and he wants to be that. When the younger son returned home, there was this huge celebration. But one person wasn't part of it. He's older brother. And when the servant comes to him and, and tells him that they've got this welcome home party going on for your brother, he gets angry and he won't go in. Suddenly, it's like he's the lost son. He's the one who's far away. He might not be far away in distance, but he's far away from what the father wants. He's far away from the father's heart. And his dad goes out and he pleads with him to come in and join the party. But he bitterly complains. And really he's saying just how unfair he thinks his father's been. He says, look, I've been a, I've been a good, obedient son. It does start to sound though like he's been slightly reluctantly, faithfully but reluctantly serving his father. But I've done all of this for you and you've, you've never even thrown a party for me and my friends with a little goat. And, and he doesn't even call him his brother. He says, this son of yours. It's like he's distancing himself from him. He's gone off. He's wasted your money. And now you, feel, you waste more money on him. You kill the fattened calf for him. But his dad says, no, 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 son. It's not true. Everything I've got is yours. I suppose he could have had a party with a goat. Um, and, but more importantly, he's always been with him. He's always been there. The younger son hasn't always been there. It's like he's been away. He's been dead. But now he's alive again. He says, come on. We must celebrate that. Surely we've got to be glad. What sort of person is this older son meant to represent in the story? Well, when Jesus told this story, it was one of three stories about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and then these sons. And the Bible says he told these stories Because there were people who grumbled about the kind of welcome Jesus offered to people. So at the beginning of Luke 15, it talks about this this tax collectors and sinners gathering to hear Jesus. But there's the religious leaders, the Pharisees and teachers of the law. They're muttering, they're grumbling, they're saying, Jesus, this man, he, he welcomes sinners and eats with them. It was, it was like the kind of, uh, the people of the day, it was like the, 
the kind of well-known, dodgy, disreputable people, they were the ones who were flocking to Jesus to, to hear his teaching. And um, many of them were becoming followers of Jesus. But the religious leaders didn't like it. Jesus shouldn't be hanging out with these people. He should be hanging out with us. Yes, the religious types, but not those sort of undesirables. They've got no place in the kingdom of God. But Jesus is saying to them, you are like this older son in the story. You, you, you can't, you're totally out of connection with the father and what he, is important to him and what he celebrates about. Can you see that God is a father for all? He doesn't have favorites. He generously welcomes everyone who comes to him. And it should be a cause for celebration when absolutely anyone returns to the Father, whoever they are, whatever they've done. And the story kind of finishes with a challenge, really, to those of us who'd say we're Christians. Have you grasped that God is a Father for everyone, for all? Could you join in the celebration of absolutely, well, absolutely anyone coming to church, absolutely anyone becoming a real Christian? Whatever they've done, whatever their backgrounds, whatever they've done to you. Are there people who you think in your mind, not them, not them. I wouldn't want to invite them to something at, at the church. They might become a Christian. They might be around all the time then. Sit next to them. There's a challenge for us. In a much more extreme example of someone who really did get hold of the Father's heart, let me just tell you about um, someone called Elizabeth Elliot. I mentioned her before. In church, in the 1950s, there were five American missionaries. They were trying to reach out to a, a savage tribe of Orca Indians in the Amazon rainforest. They thought they'd gained their trust, but one day all the five missionaries were attacked and brutally murdered and found dead with sort of arrows or spears in them. It was well reported in the news at the time. But the amazing thing was that two years later, Jim Elliott's wife, the wife of one of the people who died and the, the sister of one of the other men who died, they went to live with that tribe, continue the work that their hus- husband and brother had been doing. They were able to forgive them. And uh, Elizabeth said this, She said, the prayers of the widows themselves are for the orcas. We look forward to the day when these savages will join us in Christian praise. And she knew that God had his arms wide to welcome even people who'd murdered her husband. And she later shared in that joy as many people in that tribe became Christians. Maybe it's a bit of an extreme story. But can we share in that father's joy for anyone who becomes a Christian? Are we ruling anyone else? Ruling anyone out that we're praying for, reaching out to, uh, welcoming? We want to have the same welcome as God himself. God, he's a fantastic father for all. He loves us. He welcomes us. He forgives and accepts us in Jesus. He's generous and gives us what we need. And his arms are open wide for everyone, and he loves to celebrate any person coming home. Do we share that joy and uh, that understanding of Jesus, of God, and the welcome that he offers us? Well, let me pray. Father God, we do thank you for
Jesus and what he reveals about you. Thank you for this story that he told just about what an amazing welcome that you have on offer for each one of us. We do pray, Lord, that we might grasp that for ourselves, what that means for us, how we should respond to that. In Jesus' name, amen.